I like worship. Tom, worship's the only thing we're going to be able that we get to do here that we'll do it in heaven. That's the one thing we know for sure. There'll be a lot of other things, but we know that one thing that there's worship going on in heaven. Actually, there's been worship going on in heaven from the beginning. We just get to participate. But it's the one thing that we'll do here that you're actually going to do there. there I know there's others. But I like worship. Yes, sir. Mm, I like worship. The Lord has, in, in November and uh, late November and December really stirred my heart um, on this crazy idea that people need to be saved. That there's a lot more unsaved than there are saved people. We know that to be true because if you read the Bible, my brother Arvell always says this, this is why I know, because wide is one gate and narrow is the other. And the Bible says that it's that narrow gate that there few be go through that gate and wide. So that, you know, one guy said the, the, the width of the gate gives you an anticipated foot traffic. So I've been on this thing about winning souls. What are we here for? For you to feel good? For you to get a fat bank account? No, you can go to work for that. What we're here for is to win souls. And that comes in a lot of different avenues. That's going to mean a little different for some. Some people are going to do it a little different. But we need to win souls. I want to talk to you just a few minutes, if I can. on the idea of why we should be witnesses for Christ. Some of us in the church house don't even know why we got saved other than one thing. I don't want to go to hell. Number one, if you take a poll, number one, I don't want to go to hell. What are we doing while we're here? If you get saved, you're going to heaven. If you're right with God, you're going to go to heaven. What do we do between salvation and that time, whatever that is? Some may, may be a week, some may be 10 more years, or depending on when the Lord comes in. What do we do? We should be witnesses for Christ during that time, correct? Amen. We should be witnesses for Christ for this reason. We're instructed to in Matthew 28, 19 to go make disciples. To go make disciples. That's what we're instructed to do. Another reason is because we're instructed for, to witness for Christ because guess what? Jesus is returning soon. And the, the, the third reason why we ought to be a witness for Christ is people are going to hell. Do you know if you're not blood-bought, if you haven't asked for forgiveness of your sins, that you're going to go to hell? That's your options. You only have two options. You got heaven for eternity or you got hell for eternity. When you started living, guess what? Forever is not a word for humanity. You, you can't even complete forever here because you're going to die. Forever is, is a word for eternity. 
Because when you started living, the moment you started breathing, your spirit came to life in your mother's womb when you were conceived, not when you start taking your first breath, but when you were conceived. Guess what? You, you will never die from that point. You're either going to live for eternity in hell or you're going to live for eternity in heaven. Amen? If you have your Bible, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10. Let's start in verse 8. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 says this. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing. Oh, you got it. Hallelujah. We're going to get, I can read it right here from 8. Just, that's good. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is as with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Everybody say all. All, all, all means is all, right? So repentance is for anyone who will call upon the name of the Lord. Verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will, will, uh, will melt with fervent heat both the earth, where you are now, and the works that are in it will be burned up. Next verse. Therefore, always ask yourself when you see that, what's that there for? Yeah. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what things? Where you're at right now, what you're doing, what you're planning, your job, uh-oh. The things that you have faith in that's going to keep you forever, that keeps you, uh, it makes you happy now. Those things that make you sad now. Everything that way you know it is going to be burned. It's going to be melted according to Scripture. Since all these things will be dissolved, watch this. He says this. Now that you know this, after I've just read this, now you know this, he, he, he interjects something, some instruction. Since you know that all this is going to be gone, he says this. What manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? In other words, he's saying, now that you know this is just going to be burned up, how are you conducting yourself? How are, how are you navigating through life? Because when you die, you can't take anything with you. Nothing goes with you. So how are we living our lives now in view of eternity? Most of us have never really thought about that statement. How do I live my life now in view of eternity? And I was knowing that eternity, if I'm saved, I'm going to heaven. So how does that make me act? How should I respond knowing that I have an eternal home in heaven? Or on the other hand, how should I respond to this gospel knowing that I have an eternal home in hell? How are you conducting your life? According to scriptures, how do you, how do you uh, conduct your life and godliness? It amazes me that everybody you talk to is a Christian. I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. But we don't see that. 
don't see that in language. We don't see that in attitudes. We don't see that in our love for our fellow man. Do you know there's probably somebody on this side and this side or in the balcony for sure. Maybe that's why you're in the balcony or maybe that's why you're down here because you have a strong, very strong dislike for someone up there and they have one for you. You're in serious trouble when you hide hatred in your heart because the Bible says that you're to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. We learned this Wednesday, but you're also supposed to love your neighbor the Bible says it this way, and Matthew says, it is likened, the second commandment is likened unto the first. The first one is you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Right? Second is that you love your neighbor as yourself. You're in real danger when you cover up hatred in your heart and you say, no one knows it but me, and I've got to process and work through this on my own. You better get serious about it. Because really what happens, you hide it and you say, I'm good. There's not a person in this room, me at the front of the line, that's, that's not been faced with what I'm going to do with this dislike or this hatred that I have for someone. And that's contrary, as a Christian, that's contrary to Scripture. I've got to love you like I love myself. And I like me a lot. Come on, you like you a lot too, don't you? Yeah. Verse 12. <clears throat> Do I have? Yes. Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of the which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Next verse, please. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. We have a view of heaven at the same time you and I live here knowing that this is going to be no more. It's one thing to give someone a, a possession that will go on forever like a, a, an heirloom, right? You, you pass those things. Now those are great things. Do you know that's, gonna, that's going to pass away one day. It's going to be burned up. One thing that you can pass down that will not be burned up is the knowledge that the Lord Jesus Christ is a Savior. He was, he is, and he will be a Savior, always has been, of mankind. So you can pass that on to someone, and that's the one thing that will not be burned up. That will not dissolve. It'll not be, it'll, it, when it's gone, when that goes through the fire, it'll be refined, and it'll be like a refiner's gold. It'll be pure. Why would we not want to give this precious gift of eternal life to someone here? Why would we not want to do that? We should, but we're not. People are going to die and go to hell this week in Lake Village in Chico County. There'll be deaths this week. You understand that, right? They will die, they will go to hell, of their own choice, by the way. Come on, God doesn't send anybody to hell. You've got a choice to accept him or reject him. 
But why would we not want to, in the marketplace, tell people about Jesus and a place that will never die, and a place that will never change, called heaven? Why would we not want to reach people with the gospel? What is the gospel to us? Is it comfortable pews? Is it the right setting on the thermostat? Nick over there has to fight people off because it's too hot or too cold? Is, is, it, is, it, is it that? Is it the worship's too long, not long enough? Is it the lights are too bright or too dim? What is the gospel to you? Most of the time our view of gospel is what's happening right here, right now. There's no view of eternity. It's all about me. It's all inward focused. You know, I'd come more if the preacher wouldn't be as long-winded. I'm sorry, 55 years, it ain't going to get no better. I try to be respectful of your time, but this is what you got. What, how are we viewing this thing called the gospel? What are we supposed to do with what we got? I got a better question. What are you doing with what you got? We should come to church for several reasons. One is to to gather together and be encouraged in one another. If someone comes, you bring a friend, they get saved. But you know where, where the majority of salvation should take place? Not in the church house. In the workplace. When you're out to coffee. Men, let me talk to you just a minute. Men. If we spent half as much time talking about Jesus as we do talking about uh, lustful thoughts in women when we're with our other friends, there'd be a lot more people come to Jesus. Praise the Lord, men. Show did got quiet in the church house. Revelations chapter 3, verse 1. This is a message to one of the seven churches that Paul planted in Asia Minor, north side of the Mediterranean Sea. <clears throat> Depending on how you turn your book. If you turn the Bible upside down, look at the map, it's on the south. But if you do it the other way, it's on the north. So, you, you know, I don't know if it's south down there, north up here, we're on the other side of the world. But whatever to us, we'll just call it north. Amen. It says this, he said unto the angel of the church of Sardis, write these things, saith he that has the seven spirits. Now this is God, if you got a Bible, it's in red. It says, saith he that has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know your works, that thou hast a name, that thou livest and art dead. D-E-A-D. He's talking to a church. He says, I know what you say. But see, you can tell me anything and probably get me to believe it. But what's happening here when Christ comes into the picture, he lays down the word of God, which is a straight, straight stick. And it exposes our crookedness.
He says this, be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found your works perfect before God. That works, right? That word uh, perfect means, he says, I have not found them to be accomplished, to be finished. Now, let me deal a little history about Sardis. Sardis was a church um, right in the, in the middle of this city in Lydia, in Sardis, which was a very huge uh, commercial uh, city. Lots of commerce, lots of, of all kind of activity, uh, lots of um, out of worship, lots of devil worship, satanic worship was happening. If you looked at Sardis, you could say, okay, we have, um, let's just say Atlanta, and then Sardis would be likened to New York City. I mean, a major place on the coastline. And the Lord is looking, and, and he's telling John, write this letter to the pastor of the church. Gather up all the deacons. Tell them to gather the deacons up when they read this because they're going to want to hear this, what I've got to say. So John writes this letter. Let me read a little bit of stuff that I've found out about Sardis. Sardis was in uh, West Central Asia Minor, was the capital of ancient kingdom of Lydia and a wealthy and important commercial trading center. As a pagan city, Sardis was home to the well-known temple of Artemis, which still exists today in ruins. The church at Sardis was surrounded by paganism and idolatry. Watch this. Here's where God had a problem with their works. But it failed to stand out in the midst of darkness. Although they appeared uh, spiritually on the outside, Jesus knew their heart and rebuked them with this letter. In the middle of where your, your field is, where the souls are that are unsaved that you and I need to reach, God plants a church. God planted his spirit in each one of you so that when you go into that city, that workplace, that assembly line or whatever it is, that office complex, when you're there, you are Sardis, the church. And God is saying, I'm looking at you to see if you are accomplishing the works that I put in your heart when you got saved. So my question is to you, let's bring Sardis home to your heart, to your workplace. Sardis has to deal with Sardis for itself. Marty will have to deal with Marty for himself. Jeffrey will have to deal with Jeffrey for himself. How are we lining up if we're honest? Don't raise your hands and don't blurt out anything other than God help me and forgive me. How are we lining up if God was to lay down his word like he did to Sardis to the LVA church and say, I have something against you. You look like you're alive, but you're dead. We got people who can't even make it through a church service without going to sleep, and I'm not talking about Ralph today. <laughs> Tomorrow, no, I'm trying to. We got people that can't even make it through a church service 
and say, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a child of the king. I'm going to go over to God. We ought to be so excited about coming to hear God's word and to worship and to be encouraged and say, you know what? Let's take what we've got and let's take it to the marketplace and let's win some souls. This is what he's talking to. Sorry, I know your works. And here's, here's why I know he's talking about salvation. Watch this. He says, and remember therefore how thou hast received and heard. What's he talking about? This was a pagan city in the midst of, of satanic worship. Paul planted a church. Somebody got saved. Somebody got on fire. And guess what? They started getting another person, another person, another person. I don't know how big the church was. It doesn't really tell us the size of the church. But somebody got busy in the middle of a pagan city winning souls. Thus the church was born. He says, you remember what, I, what you heard when, when, when Paul showed up? This is what he's saying. This is what Christ is saying. When Paul showed up, you remember what you heard and what you received? What did you receive? Forgiveness of your sins. You've, you, you received a debt that would be paid that you couldn't pay. You received that. He says, now, I know that. You remember that? And this is what he says. He says, you remember that? Where are we at? Glory to God. We're in verse 3. My page is flipped on me. Here we go. Remember therefore how thou hast received and heard and hold fast, watch this, and repent. Repent from what? Slacking on the job. Slacking on the job. Hold fast and repent. He's talking to the church. Hold fast and repent for slacking on the job. If therefore you shall, uh, thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. You don't know when it's coming. I don't know how I feel about people saying, well, I'm warming up to them to get them to know how, how I can really approach them. I, I want to be a friend to them for seven or eight years before I talk to them about Jesus. Well, two things is going on. You may not have seven or eight years, and they may not have seven or eight years. How long is too long? How long is enough to get to know somebody to tell them about eternal life? Is it a week? Is it seven conversations on the phone? Is it 12 texts? Is it an email? Is it that I got to be your friend on Facebook? I mean, what is this thing? How long is it before we start talking to people about Jesus? It should be right now. You don't have to have, you don't have to build a, a, a seven-year relationship with somebody and to say, well, I'm getting around to tell them about Jesus. Come on. <clears throat> there was a tool sale over at Lowe's. Every man would be texting, hey, we go buy Lowe's over there and pick up this tool, man. <laughs> oh, don't forget you women going to Belk. There's a sale. I think women have Mass texts to other women when the sale's on. Go to, go to Belk, there's a sale. You gotta hurry because it goes off tomorrow. It's a one-day sale. Who, somebody told me we had a one-day sale. Yesterday, they had a one-day sale at Sullivan's, didn't they? One-day sale, hurry up and get there. It's gonna be gone. What if we had the attitude about Christ that there's a one-day sale? You got to get it in today because if you miss it, it's done. What if we knew that? 
What if we knew that today was our last day, his last day, her last day? We wouldn't be waiting on a seven-year relationship. We'd be saying, look, tomorrow, today at midnight, it's over for everybody. This thing's going to melt down. He's trying, he gives this analogy several times in Scripture about a thief. He says, a thief is going to come. I'll come like a thief. You don't know when a thief's coming. I've never had anything stolen if I knew you were going to steal it from me. I'm going to go down to Tom's and say, Tom, you got a couple of ARs I need to borrow. I want them on no serial numbers. I just want them, okay? Somebody's meeting Jesus tonight, okay? Why? Because I knew that. But he's saying, you don't know. You, why would you gamble? Why would you gamble with somebody's eternal soul? You're saved. Why are you gambling with theirs? Or are you saved? Did you really get saved? Is it really that important to you? I'm just saying, church, the letter to Sardis is the letter to the Church of America today. We want to embrace all kind of culture stuff. There's nothing wrong with keeping updated with this stuff. I like new modern stuff. I'm all about that. But if that's what we're using to try to capture souls, we're wasting their time and we're flirting with a very dangerous thing. The Bible says that every word or every deed, everything you've done, you'll give account for. I'm not sharp enough to have a good program today and then have something tomorrow for you that'll outdo yesterday or last week. It's either the gospel or it's nothing. You accept it and you, you get in it or you don't. Praise the Lord. Let me move on. I've got to hurry. It's 12.01. I want to finish this part. He says this in verse 4. Thou hast a few names even in Sardis which have not defiled their garments and they shall walk with me in white for they are worthy. Verse 5. He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels he that hath an ear let him hear what the spirit saith unto the churches if you're into the ideology that once you get saved you're good for eternity I have to beg to differ with you the scripture in order for your name to be blotted out it had to be in there the word blot means to erase or remove. You cannot remove something that is not there. In, in Exodus chapter 32, verse 32, you don't have this. Moses is carrying on a conversation with God. Background real quick. The children of Israel, God just pulled them out. It's in Exodus. That's the book. That's why? Because it's Exodus. 
He pulls them out. They're down on the bottom of the mountain. Moses is on the mountain getting the Ten Commandments. He's up there a few days. And guess what's happening down at the bottom of the mountain? They're making another image. A golden calf. They done, all them women that got all the jewelry. And we done put it in the melting pot and we're making a calf. We're making another God. Oh, come on, somebody. Making another God. Oh, there's happened to be a golden calf. You may not have a golden calf in the form of a golden calf. You, you may have another golden calf. And so, God says, I'm going to kill them. I'm going to kill them all. They've upset me. I brought them out. I've taken care of them. I'm going to kill them. Moses says this. You go read it. Go read it today. Lord, don't do that. Lord, as a matter of fact, if you're going to do it, blot my name out of your book that you have written. Now, I know that's Old Testament. That's a typology of the church, Israel, being brought out of bondage. Moses is a type of a mediator, Jesus, between people and God. And he's mediating. He says, but blot my name out too. If you're going to blot, if you ain't going with us, and you're gonna, blot my name out too. Here, I'm telling you. Church, there's citizenship in heaven. I know what the Bible says. No man can pluck you out of his hand. And no man can. I can't pluck you out of his hand. You can't pluck me out of God's hand. But I can walk away from him. We can disagree on a lot of things. You can send me hateful emails and get me after church, and I'm fine with that. But let me tell you, I'm not changing my mind because I read in Scripture. And if I'm wrong, I still make it to heaven. If you're wrong, you don't make it. I'm just telling you, church, we've played with God too long. We've fell on his grace and his mercy and says, I can do what I want to when I want to and I don't have to have a conviction. I don't have to have a straight stick. I don't have to have the word of God. I don't have to live by it like I should. I'm just going to kind of play with this thing. You're flirting with eternity without God. Amen. I don't want to be without God now or in eternity. Church, it is time that the church wakes up and says, what is my purpose? Why am I here? It is to win souls and quit pancaking around this thing, trying to make people feel good because you might mess up their screwed up theology already. It's already messed up. They don't know Jesus. And let's get people and let's introduce them to Jesus. You can't save a soul. You cannot say, I cannot save anyone. But we should have enough Jesus in us. No matter who they are. That something overflow comes out of us. And people say, I don't know what you got. But I want that. I want what you got. This time, we live for Christ. Not just live because we're not going to hell. I don't want to go to hell. My mama used to show us films, talk about him, scared the hell out of me. 
I think I got saved because I was scared. Then I realized I didn't get scared. I didn't get saved because I was just scared. I didn't have a relationship with Christ. I was just scared. Made me walk straight, though, I'll tell you that. You ain't never been scared till you feel like you done messed up and you come in off a date and at 2 o'clock in the morning you're supposed to be in one you done snuck in and you sneaking your head in there thinking, oh, Lord, the rapture done come and, and, and you sneaking your head and looking through the door and saying, Mama's still in bed. Because you think, you know, she's, she's gone. We, I'm bad shape. Scary feeling to know that you get left here. I love you. I'm back. I want you to know I love you. But I want you to know we got to get busy about soul winning. And we're teaching. I'm teaching some things on Wednesday. You come. Be a soul winner. You got to get right with God first. I'm going to close. I want to, before I do that, I want to honor uh, Donnie Miller. He, he is the, the first pastor of this house. He, he started this actually, believe it or not. And, and it's, it's kind of grown from, from that day. But you were here, and God bless you and thank you. Because uh, without you and your, uh, your uh, butting heads with your brother <coughs> uh, back there on the back, um, amen, had a, had, a, had a vision for what, what he wanted to be and and uh, had not only a vision for what he wanted to be, but had a vision to, knew that, to know that when God said your season was done, you had no qualms about it. And said, here, take it over. So thank you for your efforts here um, in the beginning, because I've told many people I couldn't do what Donnie done. Donnie worried you to death so he'd get a day of work out of you. I mean, he'd just say, can you come give me one day? I just need one day. And you'd finally say... You won't call him anymore. I'll come and give one day. But he done that to a lot of people, and he made this happen. That's right. See, I don't have the. I, I wouldn't have done. It. We'd still be working on it if it'd been up to me. I'd still be working. Thank God for people like Donnie. Thank you, sir. We appreciate you, and we, let's give uh, your honors due. So, thank you. <laughs> Father, we honor you now, Lord. You're the reason we're here. You're the reason that any of this is even possible. Lord, don't look upon us and say, I know your works, but I got something against you. I know your works and they're not complete yet. Lord, would you give us the zeal, the drive, the energy, the desire, the discernment, Lord, to go forward with the purpose that you have given us in this word and it's to win souls. Yes. 